Carson Price for Thursday, October 12th, 2023. We're coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio. Built by Arbor Lee, and that's here at the Iconic Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. If you're planning a holiday party, this is the perfect venue for you. 55,000 square feet of striking indoor and outdoor space. There is quite a room on the 34th floor of the South Tower. You got to check it out. Call the hotel 604-893-7370. And they'll help you turn your event into a reality. Matsicares alongside Blake Price, Grace Hassett, and Switches conducting things. The show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. We're celebrating 25 years there. And right now at Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey, Applewood Nissan Richmond, you can finance the 23 Rogue from 3.99%. Lease or finance the 23 or 24 Leaf from 6.99%. Then over at Infinity in the Richmond Auto Mall, lease a 23 QX50 from 3.49% or a 23 QX60 from 2.99%. Because, Blake, it is all good at Apple. Bodog poll question today. Will Brock Besser, is this the year Brock Besser scores 30 goals? Yes, no, or he'll hit 40. You can vote at Sikerson Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog line of the day. Boy, the Lions, they need to get over the letdown of blowing that game against Winnipeg. And let's face it, they probably don't have a lot of hope of finishing first here. It's out of their hands. Hamilton, meanwhile, has beaten BC already. They're still alive for a home playoff game second in the East. I'm going to take the tabbies and 3.5 points tomorrow at home on your Bodog line of the day. Vancouver Canucks with an astonishing victory to begin their season. 8-1, they destroy Connor McDavid and the Oilers at Rogers Arena last night. A game for the ages for Brock Besser. Four goals, could have had a fifth becomes the sixth player in modern NHL history to have a four-goal game in the season opener. And speaking of astonishing, three of the six guys to do it are Vancouver Canucks. It's just really weird. Brock Besser, Gus Adams, and Rick Blight back in 1976. (laughs) Crazy. Chris Contos, Austin Matthews, amongst the others who have done it. Uh, We were... Wondering what Rick Tockett hockey would look like now that he's had a full training camp and preseason. We thought it might be a little lower scoring and a little lower event. Last night, we joked with, uh, about this with Patrick Johnson. I mean, I'm not sure you could populate enough sidebars from this game last night. Thatcher Demko leaves the game 12 minutes left in the third period after he pukes in his mask, feeling the effects of the flu that's been sweeping through the team and dehydration. JT Miller, Elise Pedersen with four-point nights. Quinn Hughes receives the captaincy from Orland Curtinback. Trevor Linden, who repatriates <laughs> to Rogers Arena. Stan Smeal on his way into retirement. The 15th captain in Canucks history with a three-point night. Elias Pedersen with a body-crunching check on Cody Cece. Bit of a charge. You think? Oh, yeah. Grady wants to By take definition. this hit away from Elias Pedersen no, for no. some reason. You want him to make that hit all Absolutely. day, every and I even day. posted it. I loved it, but if you slow it down, you see he loses, uh, leaves his feet. 
Well, had a healthy run at him. What happened was Cece was trying to duck out of the way, so he had to. Yeah, sort of, he went down to play the puck to try to stop it. Yeah, but everything went right. All those storylines just tell you that it was it was all good. You think they were at yeah. Applewood? Yeah. I mean, everything was was working for them, uh, which is good. Uh, it raises the bar of expectation. Makes Saturday versus the Oilers the return match even more intriguing yeah. because you don't know what the Oilers are going to bring at, at them uh, next time. But it shows that they can do it, and it shows that Thatcher Demko, even when he's feeling ill, makes a big difference for this team. A healthy Thatcher Demko, and I mean healthy body wise, not illness wise. A healthy Thatcher Demko is is a secret weapon. Some good saves early from Demko. Some good saves at the end of the second period when this game was still in doubt. At four one, you still got to play. Oh, for sure. Twelve of seventeen skaters get a point for the Vancouver Canucks. Five have multi point nights, including Philip Ronick with two assists. Fresh off the trade request, Connor Garland scores the opening goal, and what a pass from Patterson! Good God, the power play goes three for six, and we see some of this new style. That has been implemented by Rick Tockett and his coaching staff. A little bit more movement, not quite as static. Of course, Besser has a right shot in the bumper, so that changes things a little bit. Now, the penalty kill goes one of four, which isn't a particularly great percentage. Or three for, they kill off three or four penalties. Which isn't a particularly great percentage, as we know you don't want to be hovering in the 70s. But that was a clean look on the three kills that they had. And the one goal that they gave up was... The clinical Euler power play finish that you can, yeah. you have to. There's not a lot of guys from that angle who can score that no. goal. Dry Settle has proven he's one of them. He'll get 20 each year from that angle. And they do so without three primary penalty killers. Carson Susie, Ilya McKayev, Teddy Bluger do not play this hockey game. Yeah. The Canucks play a skater short. Oilers did too. And in Edmonton's case, for a second straight year. And they recall Jack Stadnika today, if you play a skater short, you are given license to recall a player independent of the salary cap as an emergency, so long as the player makes less than 850. 850. So either Stadnika or one of the injured or Skating sick wounded. guys... Yeah. Likely to draw in against Edmonton, but of course, this flu bug, uh, flu bugs sweeping through the team. So who knows who else might be affected by Saturday? They canceled practice today because of it. It's a good idea. They'll skate tomorrow before flying to Edmonton. And uh, Connor McDavid was pretty upset in the post game. His words. If you type out his words, it sounds like he's upset. If you see the interview, I mean, he's mm-hmm. pretty monotone at the best of times anyway. He's but he's particularly sedate when he's talking about it. Um, he, I think he said it's it's not awesome or at the end or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, talking about the pull of Thatcher Demko because he didn't know he was sick. Talking about the first power play unit going out. But as many people on social media pointed Late out, a big lead. Yeah, it was six one when the first power play unit went out to score the seventh goal. Um, and it was the second power play unit. But what's that? You know, there's one power play at the end where the second power play unit started, but the right. penultimate power play uh, opportunity that night was the first power play unit that started, and it came on the heels of the Oilers being assholes and going out there and targeting the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, McDavid and Dry settled with cross-checking penalties. Right, and so I think, I, I don't mind this. The talk was just like, well, if you're going to be an idiot, we'll be an idiot. Well, and the other thing is, that team's pretty explosive, and if you got a big problem with it, Connor, try fucking harder. Play better. Exactly.
Play better. Play. Like, this is the professional ranks. This isn't children or amateurs anymore. And don't take the penalties. Yeah. Pretty simple. So I, I don't feel bad. I Normally, I would I would concur if it's just a placid Eastern Conference team versus Western Conference team where there's not a lot of bad blood happening in the game. And the 6-1, yes, you start mm-hmm. the second power play unit. But this was a divisional game, which I, I want to underscore for another reason. You know, again, it's not 8-1 versus the Florida Panthers, which would be a good win. But I'm saying this is a divisional win. Every game, if this team's making the playoffs, Matt, the divisional record's going to matter here. Those are game, those are mm-hmm. points you're taking away from the opposition. Calgary won last night, and you you don't even want to give them singles. You know, overtime wins and shootout wins. You're keeping them afloat. It, it's going to come down to such fine lines by the end of the season for the Vancouver Canucks. They're going to regret having a losing divisional record. So it's a big win in that regard. You, you've you've started on the right foot versus a key team in the division. Fine. And- Fine lines. Thank you, Carl Robinson. Yes, yes. And teams like out in the central, like the Winnipeg Jets, who by all accounts they'll be battling those with. ones. That's too. it. Central I, I mean, really, it's the entire conference, Blake, because if we all believe they're going to be nip and tuck for the playoffs, then you got to worry about some of those central teams as well. Well, you want to guarantee your wins against the, the cellar dwellers. You don't want to, like, those are the freebies. So, like, beat the yep. ducks every time you can, float your boat with that one, and then seal the deal by making sure the teams that you're going to be shoulder to shoulder with that you're, you're taking care of too. Talk it interesting in the post game last night because, of course, they had last change at Rogers Arena. They will not when they move to Edmonton on Saturday. And we kicked this around last night with Jeff Patterson on Rinkwide, Blake. You know, the dogma is that hockey coaches don't want to mess with a winning lineup. But Talkett last night acknowledged and said he would likely split up Hughes and Ronick so that one of them is on the ice more often in Edmonton. Last night he went with the you know, mega powers, right? Hughes and Ronick together. Mm-hmm. And he's indicated he's going to split them up. And so staying true somewhat to his defense by committee. And that guy's better learn to play with all, you know many different partners because there's going to be fluidity there. And and that's interesting because you know hockey coaches are we have talked about this it's perhaps gone too far in baseball in terms of how you manage a game versus a specific opponent on a specific day as we saw in the playoffs with the Blue Jays and more on that later in the show. But hockey coaches haven't necessarily done that. In the past, they've been more focused about their time. I'm worried about my team. It's about us. If we go out and play well, as opposed to making those subtle adjustments and changes in tactics and strategy based on that opponent that day. And in this case, the Edmonton Oilers having last change and the ability to get Connor McDavid in more preferred matchups will dry settle as well. Let's hear from some of the Vancouver Canucks. In fact, let's hear from Brock Besser on scoring that first goal last night. The first of four, and it could have been five. You know, hard work pays off, and, you know, I made it through training camp uh, healthy, and, you know, I worked hard this summer. So, uh, you know, it was definitely a good feeling when that puck went in the net and, you know, get uh, starting starting the year off on the right foot this year. He added that his mindset this past offseason was just to be a better player. It very much sounded like light bulb went off for Brock Besser this summer that he was getting slower and slower and you're never quickening NHL, that he had to change the way that he trained in the offseason and that he needed to get back to being a goal scorer on top of the guy who's still a pretty nifty offensive player with good hands and ability to 
to set up teammates for goals. Here's the head coach, Rick Tockett, on what was behind Besser's big night. He did some different training this year. Uh, I think he's had a good camp, and he knows that, uh, you know, He's got to keep going. But, uh, yeah, it's nice. Uh, yeah, four goals, a couple of screens. Yeah, he was a big part of the, the, the game tonight. And screens should not go without mention. And, well, uh, good on talking for bringing it up because it seemed like there were two Canucks bodies and, by extension, four total bodies in front of Oilers goaltending all night. Pedersen's shot was a 40% velocity Pedersen shot, and it finds its way it in because in. there it had to, you know it was a bit of a C&I uh, mm-hmm. shot into the corner there. The Miller goal, I mean, they had traffic in the low slot all night, Besser and Kuzmenko, and that deserves plaudits on top of everything else that they did. And, of course, Lafferty and Joshua scoring from, you know, from tight end. It was a two-on-one, but we saw earlier in the game those guys going harder than a, um, a a willingness to go to those areas by almost every forward up and down the lineup. That's that's pretty cool. And the power play goes three for six, and Besser had a thing or two to say about that. You know, obviously it's something I take pride in, and um, you know, obviously not killing, so I want to be a big part of the, the power play. But um, you know, I think uh, you know us core guys kind of have been. Um, together for a while i'd say so we kind of know what the plays we're looking for and and um i think i just think we're snapping around really well working off each other and obviously uh, it showed tonight and look i'm not necessarily sure we talked about it enough blake in the preseason that the changes they were making to the power play and more movement less static i mean you could make the argument the power play was not broke why try and fix it albeit of course no more Horvat, and had to play half of last year without Horvat on the power play. Um, and, of course, Besser gets elevated back onto the first power play unit, mm-hmm. which was not always the thing last year in the second half, even after Talkin took over. So, yeah, so great returns there. We've talked about how Hughes is looking more aggressive, looking more for his shot. Elise looked aggressive last night. And then the other thing that I can't go unmentioned is the job you did on the Connor McDavid line on even strength. And I, once again, that's Miller, Besser, and Di Giuseppe, who, by the way, is... I'm going to vote right now for Canucks Unsung Hero, Phil Di Giuseppe. All right? I want to be the first one in. Wow. On that. Already staking claim to it? Well, you know how there's that little town in, like, Maine or whatnot that opens its presidential polls at 1201, and so the national media flocks there to watch the first ballots cast? Yes, yes. That That's what I want to be for Phil DiGiuseppe as unsung hero, because, again, he does the spade work, the grunt work to create a goal last night. And talk it, talking about how he likes that line against the McDavid line, which, you know, at least is a better defensive centerman. A lot of teams would want to use their checking line against Connor McDavid. But Tockett likes the look of that second line with Miller. Take a listen. I, I like that matchup for, uh, you know, and I, and I had that line last year in a matchup role. You know, playing a 200-foot game is tough. Um, but, yeah, I mean, McDavid's a tough – I mean, he's an all-world. He's a tough guy to check. Very rarely you get to check him very, uh, you know, every night. It's very tough. Um, but he got some help from, obviously, Bess and, and uh, DiGiuseppe, that line was pretty good. And, you know, and Huggy and, and uh, Hironic, when they were out there too, they did a nice job. We, you know, we were connected as five. You can, not one guy can check McDavid. You're, it's impossible. So, again, we're back to what is this going to look like going forward with that duo? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and honestly, I, I think you can argue it soundly both ways. Mm-hmm. I think I would be tempted to be shown 
um, that this is a, um, a not the way before I, I change away from it. See, I, I believe that they're better off split up and anchoring their own pair. But I also think there's some merit to playing them together, particularly when you're down in a game. Now, that wasn't the case last night at all. But it potentially in matchups like that against McDavid, that, he, that he, might. Here's what I would think is that it's going to be a closer game on Saturday. Oh, I would think, yes. And play him 28 minutes. Mm-hmm. Play, him 20, play him 30 minutes. Well, and you're fresh. You're at the start of the season. You don't have back to backs till the end of the month. Yeah. And Susie and, uh, you know, and potentially Breezeball are, are back soon as well. Mm-hmm. So you'll get a reprieve there and you can right. reshuffle when you have more depth. But right now, without the depth, right. split up the remaining minutes, make the remaining minutes 30 minutes rather than the remaining minutes 40 minutes, you know? BC Lions in Hamilton tomorrow, as mentioned, to face the Tiger Cats. Their roster is out, two changes. They signaled them. Earlier this week at practice, running back Jaquan Hardy taking over for an injured Jaquan Mizell, and they want to see what they have there in Hardy. He hasn't played yet this year. They know what they have in Shivers, the other backup running back. Mike Jones for Jalen Edwards Cooper on the corner. We've seen that flip several times this season. 687,000 people watched the Bombers and Lions on Friday night, and that's with a 10 p.m. Eastern start. So a terrific number for that first-place showdown last Friday that the Lions blew. And here's the thing. If they lose tomorrow, then you can book November 4th, Saturday, for the West semifinal at BC Place. Because the magic number here is one for Winnipeg. One Winnipeg victory, one BC loss, and the die is cast. Bombers will finish in first. BC will finish in second. Bombers off this week, so the Lions can apply a little more pressure if they win this one with Winnipeg hosting Edmonton next week. And if you're looking for a place to watch the game, any of the games this weekend, might we suggest Greta Bar. Greta's a great spot to catch the game throughout the season, playoffs, and are a place to chill in the off season. I think I'm going to make my way there on Saturday. And if you want to make yourself salivating instantaneously, mm-hmm. click on the menu and see some of the pictures yeah, that are on the internet and uh, you'll be hungry yeah. instantaneously. I understand our friends David Quadrelli, Chris Faber, and the Canucks Army Group are going to be there Saturday. So yeah, a little watch party. Pop yeah. on by and say hello. Whitecaps are off this week. They got a nice honor today, or somewhat of an honor. Pedro Vite ranked 16th on the list of MLS best players under 22. No other Canadian teams have a player in that list. So a bit of a boast there. Um, Caps will, however, be watching the out-of-town scoreboard yeah. this weekend because, as we have told you, they can finish anywhere between third and seventh in the MLS West. And there's two ones that will two games that will catch your attention on Saturday. Dallas is home to Colorado. That should be a win for FC Dallas. If Dallas wins both games that they have remaining and Vancouver loses in Seattle, Dallas will jump them. And then even more pressing is Rail Salt Lake, who are right there with the Caps, with a game in hand, and they're into L.A. to play the Galaxy this week. So you're rooting Galaxy and you're rooting Rapids. And they're a win ahead of the Caps, so a, a loss for Salt Lake in that one would mean that a draw for the Caps would force Salt Lake to win on decision day to pass them. Right. Uh, Mauro Biello, the interim head coach of Canadian men's soccer team, 
press conference this morning. Canada playing Japan tomorrow. Mathieu mm-hmm. Chouanier is going to start, and that's new. And Alfonso Davies likely to start at left back, Blake Price. Left back, but he's a modern left back. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see what that actually means. Today, we knew that Canada was going to play the second leg of CONCACAF Nations League and the Copa America qualifier on November 21st at home. They have decided to play that game at BMO Field in Toronto. On November 21st. Maybe they are so seduced by another snow pile and another leap into the snow pile that they have chosen to go to outdoor chili. Oh, and that Lakefront Stadium, Grady, as you well know, that is a bone-chilling place. Oh, yeah. To watch a soccer or a football it match. Blows in off the lake. It's, oh, it's just yeah. it's awful. Yeah. But we don't know the opponent for that match. But they yet. might be trying to freeze out the opponent again, you know? Um, that might, yeah, but they had let, some success let's get with that. this team around the country a little more. Come on. Yeah, it would be nice to see I mean, they, for God's sakes, they didn't take the field here. A BC place. This is why I can't wait. Where's for, the makeup? Where's the do-over? I can't wait for the World Cup grass to go in, and I hope they do it for two seasons. I hope they make the exception and put it in early, make sure that all the irrigation stuff works, and put it in for the 2025 season because then we've got another season of, I'm sure, Canada playing most of, if not all, their games here. If you can put 55,000 people with them watching on grass – um, playing on grass, I mean, that would be spectacular. So l- let's hope they are smart enough to do that. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by AG1. Okay, that would be a good ad- addition to their daily regimen. Maybe give it a little more energy. Hey, in this uh, cold and flu season, uh, makes sense to take care of your body. So go to drinkag1.com slash Sakaris and Price. Get your special offer and get started. Rob Williams, Rob the Hockey Guy, going to join us to take bows and bask in a preseason prediction of his. We will also talk a little, well, of course, about the game last night and the uh, all the uh, new bells and whistles at Rogers Arena, mm-hmm. including the new uh, Richie Rich section, the new scoreboard. The Elite Lounge, yes. And the, uh, is that what they're calling No, it? no. That's... Okay. And... Um, the new slogan. Come, Come on. on. Let's go. <laughs> That's me anytime we arrive anywhere socially. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> I'm done here. <laughs> or it's to me when I'm uh, taking my time to yeah, press exactly. some of the buttons. Can yeah. you get the pot out earlier today, Grady? Come, Come on. on. Let's go. Let's go. We'll get to some hashtags. The best it doesn't work. sound patient, does it? Like, no, it like, doesn't. Like it doesn't. Sounds as, but maybe that's the rub maybe that's, maybe that's what we're missing. It's yeah. been 10 years. For God's sakes, guys, come on. Let's go. <laughs> See, you can't do that. You can't cynically say we are all Canucks. <laughs> no, you can't. Like, it's only a, a, a it is only inclusive. together. Exactly. It's a battle cry under a common banner. But come on, let's go. Can be... Variations. Very misinterpreted. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to some hashtags. The best and worst of Twitter. An extraordinary day for BC golf and Canadian golf south of the border. Patrick Johnson of the province and post media. Uh, we'll talk about the roster and the manipulations going forward. We'll talk about Sam Lafferty's first game as a Vancouver Canuck. And um, Patrick proves that he doesn't swear much mm. or well. 
Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood for a workshop spirit. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. As the Canucks bask in a season-opening 8-1 victory over Edmonton, the larger game is afoot and signs of trouble. This week, Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick addressed what should be a concerning dynamic with star centerman Elias Pettersson. Friedman said that if Pettersson isn't willing to commit to the Canucks on a long-term contract extension, then, quote, I'm not sure the team wants to make a commitment. Merrick went further on Halford and Bruff show on the Halford and Bruff show saying, at times, we've heard that some people in the organization haven't been the biggest fans. In what world would you not want to commit to Elias Pettersson? And what can possibly be gained by badmouthing him in the back channels? What aren't they fans of? I'm sure it's frustrating for Canucks ownership and management. They're watching star players sign long-term extensions on the eve of the season in Winnipeg and Buffalo, and they couldn't get their business done this summer. Why that is boils down to money and competitiveness. How much they will not offer Pettersson? Over how many years, and have you yet tabled their best offer? And does Elias need to see more functional, a more functional and competitive franchise before he's willing to sign? The first part is in the Canucks court. We all know the cap is going up, and that Elias should account for somewhere between 13 and 16% of next year's limit. That number isn't hard to figure out, and it's not worth nickel and diming your franchise forward. Now, if it's the latter, Pedersen simply needs to see more than the Canucks do themselves no favor by griping or leaking to the media. That's on you, fellas. You've run this organization poorly for 10 years, and so now players are skeptical, and rightfully so. Own it. Be better going forward. Besides, if Petey has many more 4.9s, his price is going up way up. As for Elias, who knows how he received these slights or if he's even aware but he played angry last night, that hit on Cody Cece being a prime example. And hey, an angry Elias, I think that's a good thing for the Canucks this season, if not in the bigger picture. That's welcome out for today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels as follows on email live at scarcenprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's a great clips text message inbox on Twitter at Matt Sikers, at Sikerson Price. And the welcome matter presentation of great clips 37 salons in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, all proudly Canadian-owned and operated. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca.
hope this one sounds like a wrestler's intro music. Huh? Do you not see some behemoth coming out from the curtain to the roar of the fans walking down the aisle? Sounds a little audio slavey to, to the me. Squared circle. Scare some price. From Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. So much great stuff happening at Applewood right now. Head down to the Richmond Auto Mall because, uh, well, you could uh, test drive my favorite, the Mitsubishi Outlander, or head next door to Applewood Nissan. Finance the 2023 Rogue from 3.99%. Yeah, 3.99% in this climate. Uh, or you can lease or finance the 2023 Leaf from 6.99%. Check it out all because it's all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question, is this the year Brock Besser scores 30 goals? You can vote yes, you can vote no, you can vote he'll hit 40. Do so at some Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Uh, some teams haven't played yet. In fact, the Washington Capitals don't play till tomorrow. They're even money in their home and season opener against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I'll take them on your Bodog line of the day. Joined now by Rob Williams. Rob, the hockey guy, the national sports editor of the Daily Hive and its offside sports vertical. Rob, good morning. How are you? Guys, I'm great. For for one day, for one night, the Canucks, all their troubles went away. Mm-hmm. We get we get to feel good for one day. Yeah, great night at the rink. It, they have the top 10 leading scorers <laughs> in the league, you know. And, and, and I was thinking about this on the drive home last night. They may have more consequential victories this season down the stretch. I'm not sure they'll have many more seven-goal wins this season. This may be the Mona Lisa for season 23-24, and what a painting it was last night. Hey, we're Rockers already Arena. talking about consequential wins down the stretch. Like what a you know what a what a what a what a game. Obviously, um, you know I, I think it was after a season where absolutely nothing went right ever it seems um and a preseason where not much went right um mm-hmm. I, I i i know you guys have your daily poll question i had my own poll question yesterday like are you nervous and i think it was mm-hmm. you know about 65 percent of people said that they were and the other 35 <laughs> and the other 35 percent i think were lying uh you know like mm. <laughs> like but here's the thing, Rob. Even during the game at two nothing, three nothing, four one, I didn't particularly feel like the Canucks were giving any signs that the lead was slipping away. No, I, I think I, I said that to Farhan Lalji in one of the intermissions. I think I, I'm scarred from last season. Like there's not, there wasn't many points in that game. I guess when you know they when they really blew it up, and then you thought, okay, this is this is uh, they've got it in the bag Truly now. But enough. remember last year, yeah, like wow. they had a three nothing lead on the Oilers last year and lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, you know, there was, um, there was not much reason to be comfortable with leads last season. Um, for one night, at least like this is a, this is a different team. Like this is a team that, that didn't allow Connor McDavid to, you know, steamroll through the neutral zone and, and allow the Oilers to, to completely push them around and, and, um, and, uh, get scoring cha- great scoring chance after great scoring chance. Uh, they didn't need Demko to stand on his head. Now Demko was excellent, particularly early. He made some he made some good saves, but he didn't have to be all world Thatcher Demko last night, and and that's a real positive development. The eight goals gets the headlines, right? But limiting Edmonton's shots on goal, um, you know, is is just as big a story in in some respects because yeah. that was such a problem last year. 
Um, you know, this team and, and really for, you know, three years has been just like a, the, they're offensive, but they were like offensive to watch, right? Like the way they played <laughs> was just yeah. so just, you know, just the, the loosey-goosey, um, you know, lack of attention to detail was so frustrating to watch. And like I said, for, for one night and, and I thought it was interesting, like Rick Tockett was really trying not to to get excited in his post-game presser last night um, and, and the players too. You know, they know it's just one game. They got to they gotta back it up again. Um, but for one night at least, uh, everyone got to feel good again. And Demko with some good saves in the second, and you know uh, late in the second, and you know it's your night when the goaltender leaves the game, but it's not due to injury. It's simply because he puked in his mask. Yeah. Everybody's got a flu game, right? Jordan, uh, Luongo. This is his flu game. Demko. Right. Guys, there's, there was even a Daily Ive headline there. D- Demko puked in his mask. I mean, there was... <laughs> oh, the, the clicks, Rob. Oh, to get puke in the headline. Here's the thing: you cannot get puke out of a mask. I don't. I like. I, you'd have to soak that thing for a long, long that time. Thing is going to be smelly. Yeah, Barely maybe that's why it. they have a team day off today. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Rob, want to take you back to September when we yes. were talking about who's going to have a big summer? Take a listen. We'll come back and discuss. Who do you think amongst the players, like who would you have a lot of faith and confidence and trust in that they heeded coach's word and went out there and had a big summer? Certainly sounds like it's Brock Besser, doesn't it? Like, like he's here early. He's, you know, talking about all the different changes he made in the summer. I mean, if there's a guy that's motivated to come back and, 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 you know, kind of regain his, a bit of his old uh, former form, I think it's Brock Besser. Now, we said something similar last year, the 30 goals, he was motivated then. Then there was an injury and, and all the rest. I still, I feel like I'm higher on Besser than most. I, I, I still think that there's more there. I don't think that the guy that we've seen the last couple of years is the guy that we're going to see this year. I think we're going to see an uptick from Besser. And I think that, uh, you know, making changes in the summer and really being committed, I think, there's probably nobody more than than Brock Besser this offseason. Uh, I think he's a guy that has a lot of pride. He has a lot of talent, and, and I, I think he's going to be uh, coming in very motivated. Take a bow, Rob. Unbelievable. <laughs> Just unbelievable. What a swami. Guys, I, knew it all, I knew it all along. Knew it all along. That's why they call me the hockey guy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you think there's a player that is, the market is more behind? than Brock Besser, or do you think he'd be right there at the top of the list in terms of guys that the, the market wants to get behind this season? I don't think there's anybody, players, fans, media, that cheer for anyone harder probably than Brock Besser. Like, like just, you know, just proving himself as a good guy, like, you know, started before he even played in the NHL when he, when he uh, took that girl to prom, as we all remember, um, just kind of proving himself to be um, – uh, you know, a, a really good guy that's had a lot of tough luck throughout throughout his uh, career and, and throughout his life, of course. Um, so, no, I, I don't think there's anyone that, that people are pulling for more than, than Besser. Uh, they were chanting his name at, uh, for a brief period, uh, chanting Besser, Besser in the crowd. Uh, it's been a while since, since Roger Zarina has uh, done that for a player. Um, what a night. I mean, you, you look like four goals. I mean... One of, one of them, he was just standing in the right place. So, you know, like the bounces re- were really going all his way. But look, eight shots on goal, 
uh, that first goal, I, I said it said it right when he scored that first goal. I was vintage Besser, right? It was. Gets the puck, bingo, up top corner. Even his second goal, he's kind of, you know, right place, right time, but he makes a great play on the rush, you know, makes a great pass, goes to the right spot. Rick Tockett said afterwards, that he, you know, he agreed that uh, he thinks that, that Besser's looking a little bit quicker this season and that uh, he thinks that the, the changes made in his um, – you know, his off-season workouts uh, uh, were positive. You know, that builds right into the narrative, you know, that we were uh, talking about in the summer. But yeah, I mean, I, I've sort of just kind of thought like there's there's more there. Like the guy, like I, I just refuse to believe that the guy that looks so great early in his career could have it just all go away so quickly. And hey, 30 goals, is, I mean, it's in, within reach now, right? Like, can you score 26 goals in 81 games, in, yeah. you know, in 81 games? Well, that's our poll uh, question. That's our Bodog poll question. Rob, what do you think? 30 or 40? <laughs> I, I think 30 is within reach. Um, you know, it, it, you know, again, as everyone said, like it's, it's still one game. There's a lot of runway left. Let's see what Besser can do with a good start. Feeling, you know, he said he's, you know, I think somebody asked him if he was feeling confident. He's like, he's like, yeah, pretty feeling, feeling pretty confident right now. I said with a bit of a smirk on his face. But if, you know, if he can come into the season with things going right, uh, you know, the opposite to last season and stay healthy, that's the big key. If he can stay healthy, I think that's within reach. He's going to be playing. Uh, looks like mostly with Miller. I thought, um, you know, Phil DiGiuseppe. What can you say about him on that line? Uh, looked right at home. Um, you know, especially that first goal was was like tailor made for that line, right? It was uh, Phil DiGiuseppe uh, getting in on the forecheck, causing a turnover, a great pass from Miller, and a great finish for Besser. Like that's that's how Tockett probably drew it up this summer when he was uh, thinking about his line. Can problems. we talk about the important things here, please? Uh, after all this goals and winnings thing, um, let's talk about the new lounge. Um, the Canucks walk past the Richie Riches in the new, I, I saw a reference to Cactus Club. Uh, Matt had the, the best one because I said, it's so weird. You just walk past a bunch of uber rich people. And Matt said, it's like Hunger Games. And, and I, I half, I half expect them to have wild pink hairdos and, and flamboyant costume the next time we see it. It's uh Stanley Tucci yes. will MC that area <laughs> exactly later in the year. It's a little odd, isn't it? Um it's so tight. Like it's not like it's expansive. It's still a snug little area and the Uber Rich are right there on top of the Canucks. Guys, I was blown away when like when we went to the to the well first of all during the game I, I took a little peek down to see that the little tunnel that goes into that to that area and I'm like oh it looks like it's open because it wasn't open during preseason and I'm like okay it looks like something's going on there I don't know if it was like a bouncer or, or who it was like at the there's you know they've got somebody in like a you know well-dressed uh man kind of Ear, kind of earpiece kind uh, of an earpiece yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I you know he was like standing there in the tunnel the entire time so I was like okay it was interested in that and then we, when we went to the dressing room, you know, we right, walked right past it. And I, I was blown away that it was completely open because that's been a construction zone. You know, everybody you talk to, it's like, oh, they've got a lot of construction still to go. And as early as yesterday or on a Tuesday, the day before, before opening night, that was a construction zone. Like you could hear like saws going and like, and, and I thought there's no way they're going to be have this ready. So you know, during the game, I was wondering, like, what are they, what have they got for everyone in the back here? Like, you know, are they like on picnic tables or like whatever they put back there? But it looks like they, um, they together. You know, cobbled everything together yeah. pretty, pretty quick. And it, it, it did look put together. I think there's probably a few more uh, 
additions they need to make. Uh, I don't think they're going to stick with the uh, the velvet ropes as a as a permanent fixture there. But um, but yeah, they 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 got it put together. There's a lot of money on the on the line for uh, for those seats to be in working order. What did you make of the captain's ceremony and the uh, repatriation here uh, of Trevor Linden? I'm not sure that means all is well. It may have just been for Hughes, much like he showed up just for the Sedins when they had their numbers retired, but what did you make of the pregame ceremony and the captaincy turnover? I thought it was great. I mean, now, the, okay, I know that they did the tradition of, like, Hughes came out wearing the A, and then he put the C on. It was a little weird, because I'm like, I'm like that doesn't really make any sense. They've already given him the C. Like, they're, now they're taking away the C and putting it back on. But I digress. I, I think it's fantastic when they can bring back these, uh, you know, former captains, whenever they bring back the legends of, uh, of the past, and and you know, kind of build up that that tradition that that I think that Canucks fans have for so long saw other teams get to do right. Now you know they've built up a bit of a tradition where they get to bring back these guys uh, to Rogers Arena. You know, having Henrik Sedin there, having Trevor Linden, Stan Smeal, Orland Curtin back. You know, having all these guys there, and I, I think uh, you know Quinn Hughes after the game said that it meant a lot to him to to have those guys there, and and I I do think it means a little bit extra for. For Trevor as well, given that he was part of, you know, the the management team that drafted Hughes and and saw him come into the league. So, uh, yeah, I th- I thought it was a, a a great ceremony. It was, you know, I I don't know what I was expecting actually because you know that sort of followed kind of the trend of of what we've seen when they when they gave the C to Henrik and when they gave the the captaincy to to Horvat, but. Yeah, you know, some of the drama taken away, but I think it was cool to to have a bit of tr- that tradition uh, continue for the Vancouver Canucks. And we know, uh, you know, much like uh, renovations beat, much like, um, well, every ancillary beat that you're on in and around Rogers Arena. Scoreboard beat. Scoreboard beat. Jersey beat. You're also on slogan beat. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, let's just say... Oh my gosh. It beats unfinished business because of course, of course, they didn't even begin the business, uh, which they trotted out. But this is NSFW. But this one, come on, let's go. <laughs> and as one tweeter said last night, if you're going to use "come on" in your slogan, maybe it shouldn't be in a semen font. Yeah, mm-hmm. a white <laughs> semen font. Um, as they trotted out, what do you make of "come on, let's go," Rob? Guys, I I still think unfinished business was quite good. The problem was the team just made them look so terrible. Like it must, I I do have some sympathy for the Canucks marketing team. Like it is, it's hard to market a bad team, right? Like you know, if if you're you're marketing a good team, like everything you throw up goes in, right? You're like Steph Curry lobbing in threes. It you know the game is easy. You know, try marketing for a team that loses all but the Rob, time. It, Rob, it they had it. Harder. They had it. We are all Canucks makes no promises on how good you are. Makes no That's promises. True. It's just an it's inclusionary a, club. Exactly. It makes no problem. We might be terrible, like, but we're all Canucks. When, when you get to a Final Four or something like that, yes. and you feel like there's yeah. something that you can put yeah. forward now that speaks to the specific timeline of the team, sure enough. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, um, you know, unfinished business last year was very premature <laughs> and come on let's go it's just is the most basic it's like well and as blake said last night somebody got paid for this yeah like <laughs> so there's some agency uh, out there that went there and in a straight face presented come on let's go what was, he, the, was, was the other yes, finalist yay canucks that's like, the like what yeah. was the other finalist here 
I don't know why. I don't know who thought "Come on, let's go" was 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 going to be a good idea. It just to me, it just screamed of like, okay, we did unfinished business last year. Do not make any promises. Like, just make it generic. Yeah. Like, let's. It was. It sort of spoke to like the no distractions preseason. Like, we don't want any sort of. I, they must have just been like, don't give Daily Hive anything to write about this year, guys. And then, and then uh, you're top you know, of mind. Sorry, guys. They're scared of you, no. Rob. They're scared of you. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I think they were just looking for you know something that that mm-hmm. that would just sort of you know let's just come up with something just to come up with something and mm-hmm. and don't make it too. Um, overthought you know, too bold yeah. one way or the other yeah. and i think in in an in essence you know i like i think you're right like we're all canucks if you got nothing else like that one kind of works. back so. yeah don't overthink it oh my yes no i'm not sure this one was overthought no. uh marvelous stuff rob thank you for this until next thursday thanks guys so Karis price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags the best and worst of Twitter.com brought to you by Jason Hominick, Jason.mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate and you access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. Your mortgage is up in the next six months. Now's the time to reach out. Find him at Jason.mortgage. Uh, we talked yesterday about Connor Bedard and how he has injected some pizzazz and some publicity into the beginning of the NHL season. Couple here at FOS, front office sports. It's number, good follow, by the way. Yeah, it is. Number one overall draft pick, Connor Bedard's NHL debut averaged 1.43 million viewers on ESPN. It's the most watched regular season NHL game ever on cable, excluding the Winter Classic. And, of course, last night he was back at it in Boston with a couple little marvelous touches of the puck before he winds up scoring his first goal. He's the real deal, and he's going to be fun. And then we mentioned he was on the Pat McAfee show on ESPN, which doesn't typically stray too, too far from football, at Pat McAfee show, doing a segment called Hockey is Awesome tomorrow on the show. Going to be a solid seg, I think. Shout out Canada for creating this sport. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I mean, I guess we created it, but uh, loved by many. You're just arriving on it now? We we, we sure as heck did, Blake. And yes, McAfee. And I think uh, Saravelli told us last week, like every time the NHL trumpets 900,000 people watching a national game, like that's not a great number. I, uh, I mean, CFL games almost do that much in Canada. Yeah, with a ninth of the population. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't want to go too far down this road, but there's debate on when, it, where, it was the, the, you know, invented. It's not. There's conventional wisdom. Are it was we in talking Canada. Hurley on the ice here? It, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's like saying where was American football? There's no. the sport as we know it was created in Canada. I didn't and not in that little Nova Scotia town that, oh, that claims. Oh no, no, oh, it's you, it's in Montreal. You it's, were there, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I covered that game. <laughs> they, they accredited you. <laughs> yeah. 
Goalie puked in his better mask. Than, it was better gross. than some places. Uh, at TV underscore JJD, it's Josh Deming covering the Canadian soccer team. Mauro Biello admits that Milan Borian will be the Canadian men's national team captain against Japan. This is tomorrow. I love everything Borian has done for this program, but this is the wrong move. DSC or Cripo should be our keeper for the 2024 Copa America and the 2026 World Cup. Looks like the old guard remains. The, are they not turning the page on uh, Milan Borian? I, I also didn't necessarily think leadership was the strength of the Canadian team at the World Cup. Yeah. In fact, I think that's what might have been the biggest weakness of the Canadian team, both coach and captain. Uh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, it's time to turn that side over. I mean, we're looking at what? What are we? We're twenty twenty three. Borian can't be the keeper in twenty twenty six. Like he just can't be. So why not give these these A list exactly. friendly games to the next man up? Yeah. Which is Crapo either, and Saint Clair have yeah. to play. Yeah, they do. Uh-huh. What a day for BC golf yesterday at the Stevens Cup. There was no denying Lauren Kim. That's Surrey's Lauren Kim. Back-to-back birdies to get into a playoff, and she wins on the fourth playoff hole. This young lady from Surrey is a freshman at the University of Texas. This was her third college golf tournament. It was on Golf Channel. They played the three playoff holes when darkness set in, and they had to postpone till the next day. She missed the three-footer to win the tournament. On the third playoff hole, came back yesterday, birdied the fourth hole to win it. Meanwhile, Kit Solano's Leah John won an NCAA tournament in New Mexico going wire to wire. It's her second win in as many weeks and her third all time. She's a senior at the University of Nevada, and she's off to the second round of LPGA Q School in Florida next week. We saw a snippet of this at the CPKC Women's Open, Blake, where, of course, it's an expanded field and a lot of Canadians get in and a lot of Canadian amateurs get in. But both these ladies are members of Team Canada, and the country's future in this sport looks really bright. I think Brooke Henderson's going to have some some companions there, some compatriots on the LPGA Tour very, very soon. So congratulations to Lauren, and congratulations to Leah. Quite a, I asked Brad Zemer, I said, Brad, has Canadians ever won two tournaments on the same day? And he, he wasn't aware. So could well have been a history Making day yesterday for Canadian golf. I I, uh, I hope the men can keep the pedal down as well, right? Like we've had such a good run here. I I don't want this to yeah come to an end anytime soon. I, I I would have to think. Well, Taylor's in a good spot because he just won the RBC Canadian Open. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connors has the T degree game that should endure. Svensson hits the ball a mile and I think is young enough that you're looking at more and more upside. I'm starting to get a little more worried about Hadwin and Hughes. Yeah, the lack of a, of a next step for those guys yeah. is, is a little bit concerning. Right. But, you know, Hadwin's a good enough putter that on weeks where he's putting well, he's going to be competitive. Like I say this about Taylor. Taylor's only got a, what is it, a couple wins on tour. Oh, well, he's got a Pebble Beach and, and can, like and, two big ones. Yeah. Like those. Well, I are think two, he's got three. Total. Does he have three totally? Is a, a more minor one as well. Yeah. But like that's the thing is that it, you know can you win big tournaments? Nick Taylor's shown that he can win big tournaments. Those are two tough places to win with the pressure of the Canadian Open and just playing Pebble. My God, those are two yeah. tough places to win. Yeah, he's got three wins yeah. on the PGA Tour. Pebble. 
the Canadian Open, and he's got the uh, Sanderson Farms. Yeah, so that's the Canadian. That's the one where the Canadian Open 2.0. Exactly. They've won a lot of those. Are you done with the sports tweets? I've got one to finish. Kind of a... Oh, just one more. uh, By by AJ Perez, it shouldn't have been just an email. The NHL's latest memo to teams with even more restrictions on pride and other theme nights came without much, if any, input from the NHL Player Inclusion Coalition, the NHLPA, and the many charities impacted, sources tell front office sports. And the Women's League PA, by the way, uh, they put out a statement. The NHLPA, have you seen a statement no, yet? I have not. No, but but this was not done in with any kind of consultation, no. which is bad process. Yeah. And, and as we've heard, one team ordered a box of pride tape, and individual players seemingly are going to take this into their own hands and dare Gary Bettman in the league to go ahead and find him. It's fabulous. Can't wait for it. Finally, this is uh, amongst the bigger stories on the globe, um, and I felt like we, we needed to address it on this show. At Daily Loud, a couple in Colorado shared footage they captured on a train of what they believe to be the legendary Bigfoot. Yes. Have you seen the video? Yes, I have. Too much sheen Yeah. on the coat. Yeah. And it was also shot with like an iPhone 4. Yeah. Um, people were staged. We were waiting for the, the explanation. Today, we are starting to get an explanation for it. Mm-hmm. It, set the, it set the Twitter world on fire yesterday. Apparently, this is located in Silverton in Durango, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And it's part of a quite popular Bigfoot-themed expedition trailer company called Sasquatch Expedition Trailers. And the owner regularly dresses up uh, as Sas- Sasquatch. There you go. So there you go. Was it a gag? It was indeed. Yeah. That said, I have recently seen a uh, episode of History's Greatest Mysteries with Lawrence Fishburne yeah. on Bigfoot. Yeah. And where there are scientific theories mm-hmm. about this. Now, there are two... Uppercase S on scientific or lowercase? No, 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 uppercase, yeah. <laughs> uppercase. Okay. Um, there are two species, primate-like species uh-huh. of prehistoric times Yes, um, that were very similar to humans in yep. that they walked erect on yep. two feet. And there's the theory that, you know... Because we have found other species. There's, there's a species of fish that we thought was completely extinct. Yeah, but they live under Pre- the water. That's the reason why we, we don't went, see them. And, and so the theory being is it's possible that some of these prehistoric primate, homo sapien-like species, that small pockets of them endure deep in the wilderness, and that we just don't explore that deep into the wilderness to find their habitat. I I want desperately for this to be true. Mm-hmm. I I have I have fantastical dreams about extraterrestrials and like I, I want it all to be true. This is why well, the extraterrestrial thing is true. Well, like the yeah, declassified yeah, stuff that's yeah. coming out now, it is clear as day that there have been flying objects with technology that is beyond humans. Ghosts? Where you on ghosts? We can't account. Where are you on ghosts? Uh, I'm less sure on ghosts. I'm pretty sure on ghosts. Are you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure on ghosts. Bigfoot is one I just can't. Ogopogo and, and Sasquatch. I uh, yeah, no, lo- I, no, I can't Loch Ness do it. and Ogopogo. No, I'm not there. And that's hashtags for today. Indeed. <laughs>
Joined now by Patrick Johnson of the Province and Post Media as we will be Thursdays this hockey season. You enjoyed the game last night? Okay. Yeah. Have enough <laughs> to write about? Oh, man. Well, I didn't have to be the gamer. That was Kusha. But, uh, mm. yeah, following up, Brock Besser, four goals. I mean, the, the thing that, you know, we were waiting for Hughes to finish. Brock was like, you know, they did a lineup of guys, and I, you know, I think it would have been easier on them. They just opened the doors and let us, to, you know, but here we are. Anyway, so Brock's sitting there, and I'm kind of looking at him, and I just said to him, I said, I, I, I said, I, what did I, I said, you know, because the hat trick went off his foot. And I said, was it, you know, was the fourth extra special? I just heard quietly tap because he actually got to tap it with your stick. And oh, yeah, that was funny. I went off my foot. He goes, oh, man, that uh, that fifth one. Oh, he just closed yeah. his eyes and went, oh. Oh, yeah. Because he knew, like, that was probably actually the best scoring chance he had all game, right? Like, sitting in the slot. Mm-hmm. And he wired it. So, yeah, he could have he could have had five. He could have, you know, I, I guess someone could have scored and win, despite me thinking that a national game doesn't. Well, yeah, apparently there, there, there was, was somebody there. Controversy here. Yeah. But because it's not advertised on the national games, but apparently the contest still goes on, even when it's not advertised on the national games. It's a regional package. So there was somebody on the brink of of a big win. A mil- is it a million dollars? It's a million dollars. Is it? Yeah. 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 yeah million so dollars somewhere it's in the name. Somewhere there was an insurance guy really fucking nervous last yeah. night. Yeah. Is what I'm here. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, man. Anyway, what a night. Brock Besser. I mean, you know, talk about what a contrast. You go all the way back last year. You know, J-Pat setting him up. Is this the year he hit 30? And Brock confidently saying yes in training camp. And then what? The next day breaks his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, had that awful start. Uh, everything that could go wrong going wrong, his hand getting hurt again, took him 12 games to score a goal. You know, by the end of the year, was I, I was thinking he was playing pretty effectively, but still, you know, essentially career low in goals. And now he only needs 26 more goals to get to 30. Like he's 26 goals is kind of an average, you know, a healthy average Brock Besser season, right? I, I, I hope that um, incidents like that don't, cause guys to shy away from setting personal goals like i know it's a team game but you can still set a personal goal because you think that helps the team i think to do my job to help the team if i score 30 i feel like i'm helping the team and i and i hope that brock's like i'm never setting a personal goal publicly ever again like (laughs) like no like you have to you have to strive for something right like to me it's uh i hope it it doesn't uh again sort of have this ripple effect through through the guys that are around him well and it was a little bit like why i asked miller about he said himself he'd been thinking about this game for a while and I said, well, were you thinking about it because it's the opening game of the season? Because of who the opponent is? Because of how things started last year? Because if you remember, it was me who asked him Philly, you know, kind of tried to kind of give him an out saying, oh, well, you know, one goal was kind of unfortunate. Another one just slipped in the neutral zone. And he just cut me off and said, am I allowed to swear here, by the way? You are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was. I mean, up for eight all fucking goals against, you know, like he just wasn't having any of it, right? Last night, of course, he said he couldn't. Re- yeah, I think he pained he couldn't remember. Oh, it was only six goals. And I was going, JT, it was eight, but I didn't say that. But I asked him the question, what was that about? You know, and then I asked him about all the points. And he, you know, so he grinned because he knew he's like, well, I can't really, but 
you know, of course he loved getting five. I guess it was only four in the end, but at that point we thought it was five. Mm-hmm. Of course he loved getting five points and playing well against Conor McDavid. I mean, all these guys, in the end, they set goals. You know Petey wants to score 110 points or whatever, right? Yeah. They're never gonna, they don't say it, but that's certainly there. They, they get it. That's how they get paid. That's why they win on and on and on. I set goals. I set goals that our guests tell me that's a great question more often than they say that of Blake. <laughs> That's the scoreboard in your That's mind. That's the scoreboard. <laughs> We're even on the se- on the season, but these are early days. You, yet. Going on the you, you don't want to ask about the career totals here. <laughs> Make it it's a bit like around the horn. You yeah, exactly. Right. Score here. And- so it it really boils down this ease this simply by the math. Eighty one games left. If he scores once every three games, he hits thirty. Right. So answer me the Bodog poll question: Yes, no, or make it forty. I mean, this is like the you know the Bull Durham point. It's an extra hit a week, and you're a 300 hitter, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he's going to do it. I say yeah. yes. Yeah, Rock Fest is going to do it. Um, a gork, but... a ground ball with eyes. What's <laughs> <laughs> the difference between 250 so, and a 300 hitter? Uh, we mentioned this off the top, but they played short last night. In fact, four teams yeah. played short last night, including the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, and that triggers. I guess we'll call it an emergency recall. Where no, no, this is the emergency roster exception. Okay. Oh, so as I understand it, you're allowed to call a guy up who is independent of the cap, so long as he's making less than eight hundred thousand dollars and eight fifty, eight fifty, and yeah. and plunk him in your lineup without any. Cap cost. Said player's so name must end eight, in a vowel, too. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so you get to 18 skaters. <laughs> Do we have that right, or is there a nuance yes. here? Well, because they've called I'm, up Stadnika. Yes. The debate I'm trying to sort out if you read 50.10 E, I know it. Yeah, I know it well. Yeah. It talks about 18 and 2. So there is sort of an implication if you have 18 healthy skaters, those are your guys. And the emergency roster exception player must go back but you know the 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 other one which is the recall under emergency conditions is when you are going into a game short you you can't get to 12 forwards you can't get to six defensemen or you can't get to two goalies so you get to call one up for that for that position um but that has a cap hit so like in theory Uh. instead of calling up and, and and the other thing about it is that so that one is like when they called up Perose. They could have called up Wolanin instead. And if they called up Wolanin, under those terms, his waivers clock doesn't run. So he can be up for as long as that. And then you, because you know, if you clear waivers, you have 30 days in the NHL. But that's immaterial. This one, exactly. Yeah. So Jack Stadnikas does not have a cap hit while he's in the NHL. Um, and also his waivers clock doesn't run. And But the moment the Canucks are sort of healthy, I mean, Teddy Bluger. I think, you know, is the obvious case here. We don't really sit. Susie, I don't think, I mean, apparently tried to skate yesterday. I think he's closer than they initially thought. Obviously not out for long enough to put him on LTI because that's 10 games and 24 days, which is what people always forget. Of course, the the other thing here is if the flu is going around, it may be a bigger list than just Susie, Blueger, and Grisma by Saturday night. Yeah, and and you know, and then we don't know what's up with Breezeball. I mean, I saw him during Friday's game in the press box, kind of walking gingerly around. We don't know if he's skated. His equipment is in the stall. Um, yeah, so you know, presumably, you know, somehow Breezeball maybe is available, or 
or or Bluger, then yeah, Stadnik has to go. Otherwise, he's playing on Saturday, and we'll go on the road trip. Um, but yeah, the moment any one of those, my impression is the moment any one of those guys is healthy, he has to go. But it may just be Bluger, and we don't know about Demko, and we don't know about Demko. Oh, yeah. but, oh, guys, I so. It was one of those ones where I, I took a moment leaving the the area where we do the uh, post game press conference, and I ran into Mister Demko, who was not looking well, mm. uh, walking out, you know, with his wife and their little baby. But basically, he was sort of staggering along. Mm. Mm, wow! And uh, you know, I sort of said, "How's your mask?" But I don't, I, I don't think he really heard me. He just mm. kind of looked at me in a daze and just kept going. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's hey. hope, you know, hopefully he feels better by Saturday. Yeah. Other than why it's Casey hey. to Smith? Uh, it wasn't quite Michael Jordan scoring fifty in the finals, but a heck of a flu game. That's yeah, it. very yeah. good. Mm-hmm. There were a couple tough saves, you know, where you know he had to last minute get his foot out or or what have you. You know, a, a solid performance, you know, performance you would not have known uh, until he left that he wasn't feeling well. Mm. Uh, what did you make of and talk it talked about this uh, after the game and and frankly I, I'm just a little bit surprised because I think we would all uh, agree that Elias Pettersson is a better defensive centerman than JT Miller and, and frankly I think we'd all agree that when everybody's healthy like the two wingers with um, Pettersson and of course Kuzmenko on one side but whether it's Mikheyev or Bovillier or whomever are probably a little bit better defensively than the wingers on the Miller line, but he likes the matchup with the JT Miller, Connor McDavid line. And of course, uh, I suspect he's going to do his utmost to make that. So on Saturday, even without last change, but you know, for all the points that line scored and for all the grunt work that Di Giuseppe did and to the benefit of Besser and Miller, what did you make of that line as a matchup line on the McDavid? Why? So- it was, it was the JT Miller that, Certainly, he projects himself to be, um, and I think wants to be. And I, I, I asked. I mean, I, you know, there was the like I said, I asked him a bit about the the you know, did you how important was this game? You know, was it because or you, he himself said he was really the Hornets game? Was it because of the match? Was it because it was simply opening night? Was it because of the matchup? Was it because of how badly things started last year? And you know, he, he kind of lit up about it. He said, you know, we had to, we, he really felt that they had to prove something because of how badly last year started, you know, given how much they talked about that in the, you know, frame of the year before when things started so badly, but he himself, you know, like that, that eight goals against, like he just, he wanted the challenge. He wanted to beat this guy. You're playing the best player in the world. Um, how, how is that not motivating? And, you know, I, he, he clearly, you know, he's acknowledged it more than once. He knows the criticism, uh, which a lot of times like, is very fair. Like, you know, there's not been an effective two-way player. Um, but if this team's going to go somewhere, they need him to be. You're right. Like, Pedersen has shown the qualities more than than, than Miller For has. sure. But you need him to be that guy. It's consistency, right? Um, and even for Pedersen, I was going to ask you this question too. Like, Pedersen's performance last night, not surprising at all. He can do that game for sure. question is, can he do it 82 times? Can he do it? 65 times even, because then he's going to be a 105-point player and a Selkie Trophy uh, yeah. nominee as well. Um, and it's sort of a diet version for JT Miller. Same idea. Can you do that more often so that you're an 85-point player with extreme defensive capability as well? And uh, to me, that's the challenge for both of those guys at critical positions for the Canucks. Because if they do, 
man, this team's a lot better just yeah. by virtue of those guys being so complete down the middle. Well, I mean, it was the it was the whole team effort thing, you know, that that this was a team that had defended badly as a group. Um you know, so whatever they were doing within that was only going to look worse because the overall effort was so poor. So you know, I think some of that too is that was the overall approach, the overall success of the team. I mean, think about I mean, everybody was talking about it, but think about uh, how effective they were disrupting passes and disrupting passes across the slot. I, I found myself thinking a lot about um, two years ago watching you know Tyler Myers and Tucker Pullman kill try to kill penalties and just the, the open season that the through the, the, the cross slot pass was like, there was just nothing. You had saw these big tall defensemen just completely at a loss on how to, how to prevent that happening. And here, here we are last night and there's sticks covering off holes and just making it difficult. Um, it was, it was really impressive as a team and it was, it, these guys have talked a lot about, you know, they talked a lot about last year, especially, being predictable and they meant predictable to each other that you understand that he's going to do his job that he that that good predictable the, yes yeah a good predictable mm-hmm. you know that and, and if you are good predictable you can you can uh, you can adjust correctly in every moment which you know, talking himself has talked about so to me that is what it's about is that it's not just miller having to be a bit more efficient i guess is the word or whatever it is all around smart you know and he is the player he is right like he's 30 years old it's it is an old you know he is an old dog let's be realistic on that right there's not gonna mm-hmm. be a whole ton of new tricks but but there is a there is an ability in his game to be that player he certainly believes it and his coach believes it and i mean three coaches in a row have believed that so uh he is a guy that will benefit if the team remains this dis- disciplined and this good at, at, at the defensive end of the ice. And, you know, that it was the sticks. It is the likes of Ian Cole. I think people really start to get appreciate for what we've seen from him in preseason. There's a guy who reads the game so well. Um, you, you know, obviously that third pairing, the Hirose Juleson pairing, you're kind of holding on to the seat of your pants a little yeah. bit there. Um, and, you know, that, that, could emerge to be a problem, but it, you know, if you're getting a performance like your Coles made Tyler Myers pretty active defenseman last night. Um, and then obviously Hughes and Hronek are going to be able to, you know, things go the way they should are controlling the play all night. Um, there's a lot there. Like it, it's, it's a lot to, to build on, even if there are missing a couple guys that they, that they need to get in the lineup, like they need to get Susie in the lineup. He's going to make a big difference, I think. But, but in yeah. the end, your big guns need to be your best players. And right. last night, their big guns were their best players. On the Lafferty trade, and we want your two cents, but was thinking, you know, right-handed center, yeah, which they don't have a lot of. And also, remember, they were talking big winger at one point in free agency, and yeah. he's he can maybe kind of be both for them. The, he was an interesting player to watch last night. Like You noticed the speed, like the, the, the first step speed. Um and he 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 more than one. There were I think I, I, there are three examples I can think of, but maybe there were more than that where he would get the puck on the outside, and he he knows how to turn the corner, like he can get that defenseman under pressure, get that defenseman turned, and and, and fight not, them off while they're trying and to fight hack them off him. because yeah. he's a big you know he's got the size. He's a guy that understands how to use his size and his speed in, in tandem. Even if he's not you know the most skilled guy out there, he knows how to make that particular thing work. 
And that's not something the Canucks had a lot. I mean, in, 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 ever really. I mean, he's a very unique player when you think in those terms. Um, and yeah, he's a. I get it. This is a pickup that makes sense for how this team wants to play. Uh, you, you know, you think of the Joshua goal, like driving the net, picking up loose pucks. Like La- Lafferty is a guy that creates those kinds of opportunities, um, and and that's exactly what they want to be. It was a very interesting performance um from him in his you know in his home debut in his Canucks debut it's uh i'm i'm glad for the storyline that they get Edmonton again because it's one thing to have a great game like this it's one thing yeah. to do that but knowing they're going to come back and hit you in the face how do you respond and and i would yeah. i would suspect that the Oilers on their home opener they're going to come back and there's going to be a couple jabs early in the face and i mean yeah. that phys- i mean that literally and uh figuratively um how do they respond and uh, to me that's going to be a science experiment here on uh again sort of the the flimsiness that we saw from this team last year versus maybe a more structured stiffer backbone team well especially cuz mcdavid is salty He's yeah sour. yeah yeah I well i yeah, goalie, yeah. not happy. Yeah, I well, the goalie thing was interesting because because uh, uh, Woodley was telling us about that when we came back to the press box because he goes and does the Edmonton room and you know the, the it was clear that McDavid didn't know didn't there was know. illness involved, Correct. but but he's not going to care. You know, in the end, they were shown up like they were shown. It was as bad a performance as you could get from that team. The Canucks did everything to basically rub salt in the wound, whether it was intentional or not. Like they won the entire narrative of the night. And so that is always going to, you know, that's always going to piss you off when you're a competitive person. But much like that Calgary at preseason game, like if you're just allowing it to happen, it's not on the scoring team's uh, shoulders. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And he wouldn't be the first star player to you know use slights real or perceived or take facts and twist them yeah to create slights yeah. so can they yeah. do it on saturday can the canucks do it on saturday yeah. i i've been thinking a lot about this i mean if if the let's put it this way if the oilers do not come out hot what is that team right um, right you, know? you talk about their backbone then right? yeah, yeah that's what i mean like mm-hmm. to me the canucks is just they've shown themselves they know they're on a high like they know they're like we gotta like refocus it's game two mm-hmm. it's the oilers it's edmonton it's a whole new bubble but they're literally right about that like they cannot sit back and be like oh we we'd be you know a Stanley cup contender by seven goals like what do we got to worry about like they know they literally cannot do that um you know the matchups are now going to go against them mm-hmm. um it's going to be a Big task. The one thing about this, and if you look at it, obviously it is a long road trip. I think they're away for like 15 days, but there's a lot of downtime. They don't have any back-to-backs. There's a couple games that have two games, sorry, two days between games. So this, if if ever there was an early road trip where you are, you, you are going to be able to get away with riding your big guys a little more than you would. This is one of yeah. those ones. Yeah, good point. And talk about having, two, you know, your two your two top lines being highly motivated already. Uh, it's going to be a big game for them again for both the Miller line and the Pedersen line. And I fully expect Rick Talk is going to lean heavily on them. He's going to lean heavily on Quinn Hughes, uh, lean heavily on Philip Pronek. Like this is this is 
this is now the test of the team that thinks they should be in the playoffs. And here it is right now. Like this is as big as it gets. It's even bigger, I think, than we thought about last week when we were sort of talking about can you get off to a good start. They literally have gotten off to the good start. Like it's as good a start as you can get. Now now it's about sustaining it. And do they have do they have the mojo to make this happen? I mean, they've almost protected uh, themselves against a bad start, guys, because they've got no, they, not they, yet. Well, no, no, no. it's a five game road. They, a win, a, but a win and a draw on the road. Sure. And the worst case scenario for them is two, three, and one, which is yeah, you're not wrong. But you know, like, like they, they could let's see. Last the year they the went zero and five. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. like that's the thing. They need exactly. They lose on Saturday, and then there's still four games for they. You know, they're. Like, like, yeah, it's a long road trip. It's, it's, it may not be physically taxing, but there's a, there is, it is a mentally taxing one when, you know, you're not home, you're not in comfort and all that kind of Fair stuff. Fair enough. Can I give you a little feedback? Yeah. Critique here. Oh, wow. You don't swear well. Oh, it didn't yeah. sound authentic. Oh, really? This guy over here, perhaps the worst cursor no, I've, I've ever heard. Better. In my I've gotten life. better. You, do you know the Eddie, Bur- Eddie Murphy bit with the, you know, his friend house and come on, my shit. That guy, that's how Blake sounds on the golf course. If I could get a nickel for every side eye glance I've had from one of our playing partners after Blake curses, like Blake curse, like it's, the, it's the nuns for looking at me for all those years you in Catholic what? school. You know, you're, I, you're too nice to guys. Yeah. You know, there's got to be a little bit of evil behind every swear word, and I'm just not sure you guys can muster it. Well, once again, Matthew, this is a uh, professional environment, and I try not to swear in my professional fair, environment. Fair. So, so I invite you out to watch the fuck nuts sometime, <laughs> <laughs> which is not a professional environment. <laughs> Until next Thursday, thank you. <laughs> Take care, guys. Secure some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Blue Jays president Mark Shapiro met the media today. And uh, he admitted he was aware of the script, which is different than what his general manager, Ross Atkins, said. It was like, hey, I found out when you guys found out about taking Barrios out of that deciding game two against Minnesota. He confirmed that Atkins will be back as GM. Schneider will be back as manager. He acknowledged they need to score more runs, that they need to be more transparent with players about game plans, that they do, um, and that the uh, the Varsho trade was all good. Had no problems there as he watched Gabriel Marino hit Another home run for the Arizona Diamondbacks oh, last night. That guy is on fire. And he did acknowledge the payroll is going to stay about the same, so they're going to have about $60 million to play with, and you probably need a couple of bats there and a couple of relievers, which is very doable. Now, the specter of that controversial move with Barrios, more information is coming out. Jeff Blair reporting, quote, we're hearing that James Click was involved in the decision click is the VP of strategy for the Blue Jays. He was the Astros general manager last year when they won the World Series. And you remember they lowballed him with a one year contract extension. He rejected it. There were many who thought, oh, well, they're going to get rid of Atkins and just promote click to GM. But doesn't seem to be the case, at least not what Shapiro said tonight, today. And then 
On the diamond, we're getting that Astros Rangers ALCS. You'll remember the warring beat reporters about who celebrated too much after they both made the playoffs. So bring it on. Houston v. Dallas, Astros v. Rangers. It's the seventh consecutive year that the Astros have played in the ALCS. They played in, I want to say, I believe I saw it was four league championship series in their first however many years, and now it's been seven in a row. And, of course, once upon a time, a National League team, the Houston Astros. This is the first time they're ever playing their in-state rivals in the playoffs, so that should be fun. Should it, though? Well, it should be fun. Will it? Because well, I hope the playoffs so, to date have been absolutely have not had atrocious. A deciding, had, have not had a deciding game yet. Have and, not had. N- nor All the wildcard series were sweeps. And we've got three of the four settled in the DS, and Philly looks so strong. And you're right, not many great games here. I've not been terribly sucked in by all of this. Game two, Atlanta Philly was terrific. There were a couple of wildcard games on day one that were good, but Arizona just put a whooping on the Dodgers. Scored early and often the games utterly without drama. In fact, people were making fun of Bob Costas going off on tangents. During the games, but what's he supposed to do when it's seven nothing? The uh, by the way, the Bryce Harper drama mm-hmm. was probably the best thing going for the playoffs to date. Staring down Ar- Arcia mm-hmm. as he rounded the bases both times after Arcia had made a comment post game in game what three was it? Mm-hmm. Sort of. Well, uh, he laughed at him for. Um, running in the ninth inning, but again, like I thought that was the correct play from Harper because you've got to be able to score on that ball and tie the game. Meanwhile, 84-win Arizona (laughs) sweeps 100-win LA Dodgers, and frankly, that Arizona team is fun. Like, they don't have a big star, but their lineup top to bottom, and like everybody runs, and boy, are they going right now. And I, I once again go back to the Seattle... Mariners' decision at the deadline to basically punt on the season. Really? You were scared of this lot in the playoffs? You were you were better than Houston this year in the head-to-head. You got an 84-win team playing for the National League pennant. I mean, th- there are exceptions to this because sometimes uh, a team will have such a ridiculous rotation that, you, that it almost seems impossible to beat. But is baseball... The king of win and anything uh, get yes, in the playoffs and anything can happen by a mile, Blink. Yeah. By a mile. Yeah. Well, especially in the short series. Hockey, right? you can get underdogs go so far, but they don't win. The, rarely, and, and don't say 2012, folks. We know that's the extreme yeah. outlier. This could be 84 win Arizona versus 90 win Philadelphia in the league championship series. Yeah. And as we saw, the number one seed Baltimore Orioles. Too young, weren't ready for the stage. And Houston, Texas are 90-win teams as well. Poll question results from yesterday. We asked you, what was the biggest Canucks storyline heading into the season over of the week? The Connor Garland trade requests. The fact they may not commit to Elias Pettersson. Ilya Mikheyev not being healthy. Or opening night itself? What won the poll? Um, the Pedersen story. Line. Yeah, it did. 37%. The Garland trade request, 31%. Opening night, 27%. So it was all pretty close. Pretty McKay, close. Yep. McKay have 5%. Van City Sports, underrated one. I haven't seen talked about much. 
Home opener, best player on earth playing, Canadian team matchup, game not sold out, and resale tickets selling for less than retail price? Market saying prices are too high for the product. Midweek game, but still, I think what what's happening here, look, we know where interest rates are. It's a tough economy right now. The NHL, year by year, prices more and more people out of going to games. And I do think there's a wait-and-see approach with this hockey club as well. That after a decade of, let's face it, a substandard product, I think you've got a lot of people that are going to pick their spots, take their time. Corey says, I'm not buying the won't commit to EP40. I think that's a bunch of BS. God, I sure hope so. Can't find any kind of logical or rational grounding for that. And last night's game was a perfect example of why would you not invest in that player? Again, if you've got a good player and you're just not sure, take your time. He's clearly a great player. And he's young. Yeah. You get all of them. Basketball filts the season opener. It's go time. Time to see if the dream of being eighth place is realistic. <laughs> Walk before you run, I guess, right? Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Uh, I'll take responsibility for two, and then there's one on you, Price. Uh, Colin and planning. I said Stockholm has never hosted Olympics, never hosted a winter Olympics. Mm. I neglected to ask Chris Faber for his season prediction on the Canucks, and frankly, I, I neglected to ask Patrick, too. I'll put that down for tomorrow. And then, Blake, you said we got to see that Kuzmenko grin 39 times last year, one for every goal. We saw that grin a lot more times than 39. He's a happy boy. He There's was happy last night. Smile. He smiles when he gets an assist. He smiles when others score. He smiles when he's on the bench, it's an ever-present grin on Andre Kuzmenko. When he doesn't have to wear rainbows. Yeah, he's always smiling. Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Who you like, what you got? Uh, going to the Rugby World Cup. Ah! Where there have been blowout after blowout after blowout. Have you seen some of the scores oh, there? Oh, for sure. It is... Uh, not the most competitive field. Now we're in the competitive ah, section of it. Okay. Uh, Saturday, Ireland versus New Zealand. Oh, that's the big one. It is the big one. Folks, oh, if, you, if you're not sure. a world uh, you know, rugby World Cup fan, this is the one to that's watch. That's the one to watch. Yeah. It's the new number one in Ireland versus the always number one New Zealand. Yeah. Get there early for the Haka. Yes. How often will you get the All Blacks? As the dog. Oh, wow. Plus 130. They've lost twice in the last month and a half alone. One uh, pre-tournament tune-up game versus South Africa, and they lost uh, the opener versus France. Oh, my. So, like, are they going to lose three times in six weeks? We, we need to ask Ambassador Paul down in New Zealand. Will, the, will there be a royal commission if they lose this game? There probably would be, honestly. Uh, I think there has to be. So, because much like us with hockey... New Zealand defines itself with this sport. We do it better than anyone in the world. Plus 130. They are the second smallest underdog. Uh, mm -hmm. South Africa versus France is the smallest underdog, plus 123, by the way. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder subscribe to us and Rink Wide wherever you get your podcasts.
Follow us on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.